0: This is Around the Rim with China Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It's your favorite time of the week. Yes, oh, yes. It's a new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, China Robinson, joined by my fabulous, fantastic producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have a fantastic show. We do. Which for you today um stay tuned because we have some WNBA updates as always but we also will have the great Holly Rowe joining the show later on who will share with us some of her sideline snippets one of Tariq and I's favorite people in all of the land um Holly is covering the women's college world series right now but she's taking time to talk WNBA so um you will definitely want to hear about that also we posed some questions last week about bringing your daughter to WNBA games. We're going to revisit that question. And we had a big Twitter debate about recruiting, about girls basketball recruiting and AAU and what it's really doing to help to build your daughter off the court. Um, so very interesting Twitter conversations we'll get to in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, do you really know who Hoop Feed is? That's right. The woman behind Hoop Feed, the Twitter handle that supports women's basketball so well for us all year long. Cheryl Coward will be joining our show later on. Um, So we've got a lot to get to, but let's start out with my clipboard. Just to catch you up on what's happening in WNBA action. Number one on my clipboard is if you have not downloaded the WNBA League Pass app, do so. It's $16.99 for the whole season. You get every game. You get all the news. You'll find out who the players of the week are before the rest of the world. You get game alerts. I mean, whatever it is you want, you'll get it on that app. You can even project the games from your app onto your home television. So that's number one on my clipboard. If you have a daughter that plays, if you love the WNBA, you're like, where can I find it? Get the League Pass app. 17 bucks for a season. Definitely worth it. All right. So a couple other things, um... And I mentioned players of the week. We'll get to that in a moment. We're also going to talk about the Washington Mystics. Um, those two discussions will happen in the first quarter. They are five and one, but a couple little other notes of the standings. The Connecticut Sun are three and oh. We will recap their game. They went over the LA Sparks, which was our ESP and broadcast of the week. The Seattle Storm four and one. They lost their first game of the season. But then they won their last four behind the play of Jewel Lloyd, who was the AP Player of the Week this week, Tarika. Uh, Jewel, in a 3-0 week, averaged 26 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, So the Storm are looking pretty. I mean, under the leadership of of Dan Hughes, who um, is in his first season coaching the Storm, and I mean, just Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd, cause both of them have played fantastic, look like they're ready to take that next step. Um, the Sparks are three and one. The Atlanta Dream two and two. The Dream got a huge win, um, on a last second three point make by Angel McCautree, um, over the Minnesota Lynx. We'll get to the Lynx in a moment, but Atlanta, um, had not beat Minnesota since 2014. That's right. 2014. So Nikki Collin, as a head coach, got her first home win of the Atlanta Dream season. Um, And again, it it was just an amazing finish if you haven't seen it. It, it, The shot by McCautry was set up by a defensive play by Jessica Breeland. There was 1.5 seconds left when Angel hit a corner three to give Atlanta that 76-74 victory, spoiling Maya Moore's homecoming to the atlanta area so um lots of fun things happening with the dream chicago is two and two phoenix mercury have lost three in a row they're two and three now mm-hmm. they will play on espn um on friday that's right on june 1st they will visit the minnesota Lynx, which those two teams are all knotted up at two and three so that's going to be a battle for two teams that have combined for five straight losses uh, Brittany britney griner and diana Taurasi. That game will be on ESPN 2 at 8 o'clock Eastern on Friday. Um, so we'll see who will get back on track on Friday night. The Dallas Wings are 2 and 3. New York Liberty, um, congr- congratulations to Katie Smith. She picked up her first head coaching victory. Uh, the Liberty is 1 and 2. They beat the Minnesota Lynx. Playing some small ball with, uh, Tina Charles at center. So congrats to Katie Smith. Uh, Las Vegas 0-3, Indiana Fever 0-5, two teams still trying to look to get things going. Um, And with that, that's it for my clipboard, and we are going to head into the first quarter.
1: First quarter. Well, LaChina, uh, as you so eloquently stated in in your clipboard, this season has just been starting off hot, hotter than I think any of us could have imagined. Um, we've already seen some buzzer beaters. We've seen some thrilling finishes. Um, but as this is our blow the whistle quarter, um, we've definitely have to blow the whistle on Kurt Miller and the Connecticut Sun. I mean, they've just started out this season on fire. <laughs> no pun intended. And, um, I think we kind of got a glimpse of this last year. We all talked about how good we thought this team could be and what we thought this team, uh, potentially could do. And I think it's carrying over into the season. Um, they're currently undefeated, three and oh, only undefeated team in the leagues just, uh, so far. Um, they're playing the best offensive basketball I think anyone can ask for. And they actually became the first team in the WNBA's history to start the season with back-to-back 100-plus win victories. Um, So, clearly... Whatever's working, it's it's working. You know, um, I, I think having their superstar back and Chiney Gumake, our our colleague, and she's just phenomenal. Literally on the court, off the court, um, she's second in scoring in on the team. Um, after Alyssa Thomas, who's another name that if you didn't know, you need to know because she's been playing phenomenal basketball as well. And I, I just think this fun is this team is so much fun to watch and, and has so much upside. Um, is this their year though, La China? Like, is this the year? That that the Connecticut Sun finally can take down one of the top two teams in the league. We give so much credit to the Sparks and the Lynx for what they've brought to the game and, and, and their elitism that they have in this league. And then we look at a team like Connecticut and what they're bringing. I mean, I was at the game last week against, uh, against the Sparks and I mean, Odyssey Sims played out of her mind. She dropped 20 points. Chelsea Gray, we spoke about her in the last podcast and how amazing she played. So it wasn't, and, and going into that fourth quarter, I mean, they were down and they started off on a 10-0 run. So, I think that they have the potential to really make that end of the season push to put them in the top two elite spot. But what do you think?
0: Well, Tarika, one one theme that's been apparent to me over the last couple of seasons is the youth movement, right? Mm-hmm. Even though the dominance of Minnesota and L.A., I mean, it is what it is. But look at the top three spots in the league right now. You've got the Connecticut Sun, the Washington Mystics, the Seattle Storm. The Mystics, which, again, we'll get to in a moment, and their last couple of games have been led by two rookies, Ariel Atkins and Myesha Hines-Allen. Seattle, um, two of the younger stars in the WNBA, and Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart are really coming along. But the Connecticut Sun, in my opinion, could be the most talented team top to bottom when healthy um, in the league. And w- the reason why I said when healthy is because that has, to me – Health and experience are the two things that they've needed to go their way more often than not. Rachel Bantam looks great. Mm-hmm. Alex Bentley is coming off the bench. Looks fantastic. Yes. This is depth, right? Claude Jones, for the moment, is coming off the bench. Don't know how long that will last, but we all know that she's all-world. Um, and Alyssa Thomas <laughs> ends up being the player of the week out of all of that, who I tweeted about this, but what a great story, you know, about a player who, when she was at Maryland, Um, Is she going to be a three in the WNBA? Is she going to be a four? She's not a great shooter, but has gotten into a great system under Kurt Miller, reigning uh, coach of the year at the WNBA, and is using her power and speed and transition and has, you know, become a beautiful uh, point forward who can facilitate from the four spot in the WNBA. Uh, Morgan Tuck, Courtney Williams. Again, I say this every show. She's underrated. Jasmine Thomas playing some of her best basketball. Shakina Strickland. Oh, my God. Goes on and on and on. Sinead, okay. So, you look at this team, and I absolutely expect them to make at least the semifinals, if not the finals. Mm -hmm. Like, last year, they were surprised. And I know, yes, we're putting a lot of pressure on a, a fairly young team. But last year, they were surprised. Now, it's how do you deal with expectations? Well, how do you deal with the expectations? you have Chanae Agumake back. And I think her leadership helps to absorb some of that. She keeps it lighthearted. She keeps it fun. And in fact, here's lighthearted Chanae after their recent win over the LA Sparks on ESPN2. Obama Ogomike here with my big sis. Naka Ogomike, and guess what, sis? I finally got a win on you. Congrats. Thank
1: you. Thank you. What did you think about today? I mean, it's been two years since I played you. Yeah, um, hard, hard fought battle. Obviously, you're hard to match up against. Um, you guys came out strong, and we wanted to match your energy. But honestly, I know you guys are understaffed. Candace Parker's not here, but I'm just really excited because our Connecticut Sun team, we're trying to build on a lot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's been a while, so
0: it, was, it wasn't it was as awkward as the first time, was it? No, not at all. <laughs> well, she sort of tried to bribe me the other day with a Chipotle card, and I didn't fall for it. I that stayed strong. You were begging
1: for it. So. I was begging for it. You're right. But she's a good big sister. But um, <laughs> it was fun. It just sort of felt like
0: every time I did something, you would do something else. Yeah. Like, I remember I hit a jumper, and then you hit a three. <laughs> I was like, even I traveled, and then you traveled. It's sort of like we're right Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, are you excited about
1: this year's team? Even though you know Candace is not here? I know yeah, it's been big. No, absolutely. I mean we have a lot of great talent. We uh have a great great addition into Cappy and um, you know, I think we started off strong. Obviously great competition between the two of you. Um, between us two, sorry. <laughs> but uh I'm I'm really happy with how we started.
0: So that was Cheney Ogumike interviewing Neka Ogumike. Which, if I could um, get just a little bit of of their K Power, like their jeans, whatever it is, I would definitely drink it every morning. <laughs> Incredible athletes, both number one picks, as you already know, and just outstanding people. It's what we love about them. But that broadcast, um, want to send a shout out. Carol Lawson has joined our ESPN um, WNBA crew, so we're excited about that. Um, Rebecca Lobo was on that game. Ryan um, also was on that game. Ruko. Um, So glad to have him back. But I want to just give a shout-out to Rodney Vaughn, who is our coordinating producer, because the way that game was set up, they had Kara behind uh, the L.A. bench and um, Rebecca behind Connecticut's bench. So it just gave a unique perspective into what was happening on each side. And Rodney's so great with trying to find innovative ways to display the WNBA, grow the game. Um, Numbers are up. So just shout-out to Rodney. But to your point... Tariqa, yes, um, the youth movement is there. Connecticut has all the pieces, and it's really their depth. I mean, like I said, think about the players they have coming off of the bench, how they can impact the game, the number of different lineups that Kurt can use. Um, you know, I mentioned those. The, the teams that are at the top right now in the league and who is performing. Dallas, I would add, to that, to that youth movement. So um, a lot of things to be excited about in Connecticut.
1: Absolutely, and just to put a bow on this Uh, as you heard Chanae mention it's the first time in six tries that she's been able to beat her sister on a professional level so
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh wait uh, look uh, yes and uh, I'm sorry yes so she's excited about that but I also forgot Um, to mention two players coming out of that game. Alyssa Thomas, the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Chelsea Gray, the Western Conference Player of the Week. But I talked a little bit earlier about Alyssa Thomas and her transition. Um, but Chelsea Gray, we had on, we did a profile on her last week on our show. So I wanted to encourage fans to go and listen to that. But also, she's just having a fantastic season. If you have not watched her, um, she's now full time, as you guys know, coming off of last season. Uh, full time point guard, second season for the LA Sparks, and she's just an amazing player. Her power, um, she's in great shape. Um, so check her out. That's a <laughs> actually a perfect
1: segue. Um, into um our next topic, which is in continuing with teams that are hot right now, we have to shed a little bit of love um on the Washington Mystics. I know before when you and I recapped the WNBA draft, I had said that I was so surprised at Ariel Atkins being picked at number seven and you so eloquently told me, you know, Coach Tebow had some great insights on that move. Uh, he got a, you know, a little birdie in his ear by the name of Tina Thompson and basically I need to let coaches coach. Um, I'm never going to doubt Coach Tebow again because Ariel Atkins is so impactful for the Mystics. Um, she dropped 21 points in her first start. Um, she's helping the team move forward, especially with Elena Deladon being out. She's been out the last couple of games um, for an illness and why do you even need to worry about that when you got Christy Tolliver that's dropping 30 points and going 10 for 16 from three so this team now it's five and one um they're heading into their matchup this weekend against Vegas and I just want to know La China what do you think about the makeup of this Washington team and you know are they going to be able to sustain this level of success moving forward for a while
0: you know the the crazy thing about the success of Washington—they are coming off a win over Phoenix, where they did not have Elena Deladon. She is out. She was out for her second game due to illness. They're not expected to get Taylor Hill back till June. Emma Mieseman is out for the season. So you look at what they're lost, and and even with that, their team is so talented because of the contributions that they're getting from um, their rookies. I mean. You know, Natasha Cloud has had injury issues. So Ariel Atkins, the number seven pick, which I'm not going to lie to her. I wasn't, I was a fan of Ariel Atkins, but I was surprised that she was picked before Victoria Vivian. Me too. That was my only issue with this pick, but Coach Tebow, making us both look dumb, (laughs) um, and she's been playing great. And, you know, she had 21 points in that win over Phoenix, but it was also Myesha Hines-Allen, who was the 19th pick. I didn't know if she was going to fall that, far. I thought beginning of the second round. But much like we talked about with Aly- Alyssa Thomas, people were saying, oh, she's too small to play the four, but doesn't really have perimeter skill. Well, she had thirteen rebounds in their win over Minnesota. So their success has filled in the gaps of, of these players that they don't have right now. And Washington is five and one um and, and really playing well. And you mentioned Christy Tolliver talked a lot about some changes she's made in the offseason, getting into better shape, and mm-hmm. um, is at the top of her game. So uh, last year's, we saw Christy and Deladon, two major pieces, joining Washington and, and Mike Tebow, getting a handle on where this could go. And they had injury issues last year, but they wanted to shoot the three well. They did that in this game. They beat uh, Phoenix. Mike Tebow actually extended their three-point line further than, like, even the NBA line in preseason so they could get used to shooting deeper threes. And uh, looks like it's working. Atkins is, is hitting threes. She's a lefty, so we expect her to shoot well because all of us lefties do. Here you go, team um, lefty. 40. <laughs> from from three-point land right now for the rookie. So we'll be keeping our eyes on Washington, but they look like they are going to be a force to be reckoned with.
1: They are, and going up against that Phoenix team that's got a big matchup coming up tomorrow, and we know that you're going to be there covering that game um, with the Mercury going against the Lynx. And just a couple of tidbits where um, the – actually, this is the first time since 2011, um, which is when Meyer Moore joined the franchise, that the Minnesota Lynx are actually sitting under – 500 at 2 and 3 Um Phoenix also shares that same record at 2 and 3 and they've been defeated by the Lynx 13 straight times which includes the regular season and the playoffs and it's actually the longest active winning streak that one team in the WNBA has over another so this is going to be an interesting matchup somebody has got to use tomorrow's game as a way to get motivated and pick them back up and, and really start to put their season in a different direction Uh what are you expecting to see from from these two tomorrow night?
0: Well, I think the per- there's several premier matchups on the floor, uh, whether that's you know mm-hmm. Diana Taurasi in the backcourt against Maya Moore, which you know you you don't know what players are going to be matched up, but um, just two of the best guards in the history of the league, and then you have Brittany Griner against Sylvia Fowles. You know it was almost Brittany for the MVP until she got hurt last year and missed games. It was Sylvia, so um, you know two of the best centers in the world going at it. But there's just great matchups and great stories um across the board for both of them. And I just think more than anything, it's a momentum game. You know, mm-hmm. who is going to catch a hold of this momentum? The Lynx are at home, so they're hoping to get their act together. And in defense of the Lynx, they've had a tough start. I mean, their schedule, and I think I made a note here somewhere, um... Yeah, so someone asked me if I was worried about the Lynx. Well, they played five games in nine days, and that's not good for an older team, including three on the road. So not a lot of recovery. Yes, they are veterans, but no, I'm not worried because their schedule was definitely tough to start with, but, um, and, and not to take anything away from those teams that beat the Lynx, but, They'll be ready. They've had some days at home. They're rested. Um, and and for Phoenix, they've got to be better on the defensive end. You know, I love the move of bringing in Sancho Little, Brianna, January. Those are two teams that automatically make you better defensively, but they'll continue to grow on that end of the floor. But I'm excited to see DT. This is my first up close and personal. So I'm looking forward to to always covering Diana Tarazi because um, most people consider her the GOAT. And with that, Tarika, it is time to jump into our second quarter with none other than Holly Rowe.
2: Second quarter, Inside the Huddle.
0: All right, basketball fans, we are inside the huddle, uh, which means we are about to get the scoop. And I would love to start calling our segments with Holly because it's Tariq and I's dream to have Holly Rowe on this show on a regular. Let me just say that. I would love to start calling this segment Sideline Snippets with Holly Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> I, love <laughs> Nonetheless, it. I love it. We are just so excited to have with us um, ESPN, Sideline reporter and so many other things. Holly Rowe on the show with us. Welcome, Holly.
2: Thank you. I'm sorry. I had to, you know, constantly beg you like, hi, I want to be on the podcast. <laughs> so thank you for putting up with my begging.
0: <laughs> well, let me tell you, we just feel like you are so sought after that our chances are few and far between of getting you on the show. And actually, you are covering the World Series as we speak. Give the fans an update on where you are and uh, what you're up to
2: right now. That's right. We have a really exciting event going on. So it starts um, Thursday. It is the Women's College World Series of Softball. Eight teams. It is the final kind of round of the National Championship for Women's Softball. And it's in Oklahoma City. So we have four games for you today, two games tomorrow, four games Saturday. Um, And then the Sunday is kind of... Depends on who's won. And then the championship series starts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. So we're here for 10 days. We met with all eight teams yesterday for um, hours and hours. We have so many good stories. So it's going to be a really cool event.
0: You always have so many good stories. And I wanted to ask you Holly, um, you know, you you cover the biggest events in in college and professional sports, but you also maintain your connection to women's sports. And I don't know if people know, you probably don't have to do that. I mean, you cover college football at the highest level and could probably take the off-season off and do different things, but you've stuck with women's sports. Why is that important to you?
2: First of all, because I love them. You know, like, I just have been such a fan of, women and women's sports. I I think I was a frustrated athlete growing up. If I could have been taller and more athletic, you know, that would have been a path I chose for myself. And so I just love it. And, you know, I've always been a little irritated. I've seen many um, of my colleagues that get started covering women's sports. And then when they make it big, they quit covering women's sports. And that's always really bothered me of like, no, this makes a big time where you are, and if you love covering women's sports, that is the big time. So I, I don't know if I've consciously dedicated myself to it, but I cover what I like, and I like women's sports, so that's why I've kept my hand in it.
0: Make the big time where you are. I love that. And you've definitely done that, especially to grow women's basketball. And before we leave your softball that you have going on, you guys have a softball podcast. So for our women's sports gurus of all types that are listening, where can they catch your podcast for for softball?
2: Yes, it's on iTunes and Google Play. It's called Seven Innings Podcast, and it's with myself, Beth Mowens, Jessica Mendoza, Amanda Scarborough, Michelle Smith, Adam Amin. Cast of Thousands, Laura Rutledge, all of our World Series commentators and analysts. And I, I'm just going to tell you, our latest episode may or may not have been done with wine. So it should be a really fun one. We had a lot a lot of fun recording it. Tariqa, <laughs> and it previews I, a I,
0: I need permission to do my episodes with wine. Can we work
2: on that? I know. Can I, Can some I have permission just, to like, produce an episode in the bar with wine? Yeah, like... yeah, just sitting around I feel like Kathy Lee and Hoda did it for years, so why can't we?
0: Exactly. I love it. I love it. Now, Holly, um, you know, something that we've kept our eyes on and all of your fans have in and the, and the entire sports world, honestly, is obviously, you know, your health. Um, give us an update on, on how you're doing and how you're feeling.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling um, as well as I can be expected. I'm still in my treatment. So, so it's kind of a bummer because you're just grinding away in treatment and, um, things are going really well. My The drugs are working. I don't have any new cancer, so I'm just trying to beat the ones I do have right now. So it's going really well. My scans have been promising, so I'm just plugging away. It's not a sexy story. I'm just kind of plugging away at the grind of, of treatment.
0: Well, we are blown away by the schedule you keep in addition to treatment. Like, people have no idea what... Holly Rose going through day to day uh, to not only fight this battle of, of cancer but also to keep us informed with our favorite sports and um, you know to promote women's sports and just sports in general. It, it takes a lot of sacrifice and I happen to be very close, obviously, um, at times during the year with Holly and um, she pushes through a lot of pain and, and a lot of things to to bring us coverage. So we're very grateful for you um, and ready for that day that you're going to call and say, "Guess what, guys? I'm cancer-free."
2: I know I can't wait I can't wait I'm
0: excited it's coming it's coming okay so let's let's jump into the WNBA you started the year off with a huge, huge assignment on a on a big game. Uh, for those of our fans who have been listening, the year started with Minnesota versus L.A. We couldn't have kicked off the season better. Uh, Chelsea Gray hit a game winner in Minnesota for L.A. to take the first game of that series. Obviously, you know about their rivalry over the last couple of years. But Holly, in the play-by-play seat um talk about just how that felt for you what was that like and what did that mean to holly Rowe to to take on a different role to start the year
2: well first of all you know our our regular play-by-play guy ryan rucco had a baseball conflict and so they were kind of casting around like who else should do it and i just felt really protective and weirdly personal like i don't want just anyone to come in here and do this game this is our rivalry this is the premier rivalry in the WNBA. And I want it to be someone who cares about these two teams and cares about what's going on in the league and you know I'm sure anyone who stepped in would have been professional done a good job, but I guess I was just like very um you know it's personal to us we live this league, and I see people trying to hear the same as me is this is not just this is so much more than a job for us this is a passion of ours, and we are you know, living and dying with everything that's going on in the league. So I I wanted to do it so that I could protect it and be like, I'm going to give this some loving care because that's how I feel about these players in the league.
0: And with that, and I agree with you a hundred percent, Holly. And with that, when they, when they say, yes, Holly, we want you to do play by play. How did you prepare? How did you
2: get ready I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Why would I (laughs) add more stress to my plate right now? However, um, you know, I I hadn't done it for a long time for basketball play-by-play, so I did listen to other people. I listened to some games Ryan's done. I listened to the NBA playoffs. Um, Mike Breen is somebody that I admire. So just trying to listen, um, what people's styles are, when you should talk, when you shouldn't talk, that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I did prepare, but it was really cute because um, Rebecca Lobo has been doing this a long time, and there were a couple of times where she kind of, like, put her hand across me, like, stop talking and just lay out and let the crowd be. So I really mm. loved that I was working with her and um, and you, the people I trust. And I, one of the things I was really proud of is, so it's always hard to get in as a sideline reporter. We're always, like, hitting the producer, hey, I've got something on this. And so it's hard to get into the broadcast. And so one time I was like, you know, I've got. I know the China Robinson has more on that, and they just opened your microphone. So I was like, "Yes, yeah, I executed a toss to the sideline reporter in a very like we're getting her in because I'm I'm usually on the other side and I know how hard it is stick it in." So.
0: Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you, I don't know if there was a more pressure-filled position. I know you were saying you were nervous about it. You did an awesome job. But me being Holly Rose, sideline reporter, like you're the best ever in the game. And so oh, I was like, it. if Holly tosses to me, I better have something to say. <laughs> but I did appreciate you getting me in. And there was a great story that developed in that as well, um, your relationship with Lifetime. And and I think it goes back to what you said about wanting to take on this responsibility of doing play-by-play, play. Holly, something that young people can learn from you, no matter what field it's in, is that you aren't afraid to go after what you want. And many, many years ago when Lifetime was broadcasting WNBA games, you wrote them a letter and said, hey, I want to be involved. And tell the fans what they sent you 20 years later, yeah, 22 it was years so later.
2: Cute. It was so cute. So when the WNBA was being formed, you know, of course I'm obsessed with sports and I was really excited about it. And I was young. I was just getting out of college and becoming a broadcaster. And you know, I was doing stuff locally in Utah where I lived, but I hadn't made it nationally yet. And um, I wrote Lifetime and Oxygen had the rights to the WNBA the first couple of seasons, so I wrote them a letter like, "Hey, I work here in Salt Lake City. You know, the Utah Stars have a team. I would love to be involved." And I never heard back. And so um, I, I worked my way up. I would pull cables. I was like a runner. Um, you know, I would work behind the scenes on all the broadcasts. Um, at that time, the Utah K Jazz had the broadcast rights in Utah. So I would be a stage manager. I remember being a stage manager once for Bonnie Bernstein and, you know, and Robert Roberts when they came in to do games. So I, I just was desperate to be involved with the league. So I really worked my way up. And then a few years into the league, I got a job as the color analyst for the Utah Stars. And I did that until they left for San Antonio. So, it was just really cute at the game um, on May 30th during halftime. Rebecca Lobo presented me with a lifetime response. They're, you know, they're like, we're so sorry we didn't get your letter. But, and they gave me this super cute response. And I, I just, it just really made me happy because I was like, you know, it, it's taken me 22 years to fulfill that dream to work the WNBA as a play-by-play person. And, gosh, I'm so glad I didn't give up on it because it was such a cool experience, a wonderful game. And I just was like, you know, you just can't give up on your dreams because they'll come true if you keep trying.
0: Uh, Holly is inspiration all over the place. You are definitely life goals. But what a great story. Shout out to Lifetime for uh, finally digging through their mail and finding that letter. Now, Holly, so cute. <laughs> there's so much to, to look forward to this WNBA season. What are you looking forward to most as we look at, I mean, the league arguably being the best that it has been in its 22 years?
2: I agree with you. I think top to bottom, the depth of the league is what I'm looking forward to. So, like, last night was a big night in the league, and I'm looking at scores like, oh, my gosh, Washington Mystics beat the Mercury. You know, Christy Tolliver has a monster game. Um, Seattle is having a resurgence under their new head coach, Dan Hughes. Um, Tina Charles has a big game as New York beats Dallas. There's just so much parity in the league. And any given night, you know, oh, I can't even forget Angel McClatchy's game winner over the Minnesota Lynx. I think they had one in like seven or eight games over Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so Angel hit the game winner with like just just over a second left to win that game. So to me, what's making this season exciting is it's the most competitive I think I've ever seen the league. And it's a compressed schedule because of the FIBA World Championships that are coming up that are Olympic qualifiers um, in September and the end of August. So this is a really cool year that the season is compressed. It's going to be high-level basketball, and um, just every single game is drama.
0: It is. I was actually just reading, and you you went through a lot of the highlights there, but I was reading – you know, what's happening in Washington. And you think it's going to be about, you know, Deladon. I mean, they're off to a great start, but it's actually their rookies, Maisha Hines-Allen and Ariel Atkins. and I. And, Holly, you get so close to these players, and they all love you, and you know their stories. You know, I mean, Holly, for those that don't know, she has stories upon stories about how these players developed as young girls and, you know, things about their technique. I mean, as she mentioned, it's hard to get everything into a game, but you would be just blown away by all the little snippets she has but you covered this year's draft, and they're they're saying that this draft class could be very impactful. And they've got great stories. They're bringing their own social media with them, you know, their own following. What stood out to you about this year's draft class, and how good do you think they can really be?
2: Well, first of all, they're, it's a big class, and I and I mean that from a size perspective. So I remember standing in New York with everybody as we're planning the draft and getting ready for the show, and I was like, this is a huge group of like they are big. You know, Diamond DeShields is a big, a big person. Um, Azari Stevenson, Gabby Williams is a little undersized, but she's still a big woman. And there, there's some great size that can immediately impact games and teams. And, you know, um, I, that, that w- that's what stands out to me. And then the athleticism. I was watching... Um, uh Kelsey Mitchell has kind of started out really hot and you're just like wow we knew she was great in college you know the second all-time leading scorer in NCAA history but she's just hit the ground running against bigger stronger players in the W and I'm like wow this is one of the biggest strongest most athletic classes I think we've had in a long time so you know they've they've hit the ground running and are already making great contributions I'm really proud of Myisha Hines-Allen too she's a She's kind of an undersized player at her position, but she's strong and aggressive and wants it. And then Ariel Atkins, I think she had 20, like twenty, twenty-one points last night, something like that, um, for Washington. So it's it's going to be a fun a fun year. I think Dallas has some fun rookies to watch and some of the the sophomore class, I guess we would call them from last year. Um, so there's just depth everywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's really anyone's ball game. I started off the year like, oh, it'll be LA and Minnesota in the finals again. And now I'm like, uh, I mean, Minnesota's what, two
2: and three right now? So everyone's going nuts
0: as, as it seems like it's wide open. Now Holly, something else. LA looks
2: good though, because they're not even holy yet. I was just noticing on social media yesterday that Jantel Lavender just rejoined the team. There are their six, four backup posts. And then their draft choice, uh, Maria Vadiva hasn't joined the team yet. She's kind of waiting on visa issues from Russia. So I was like, LA's played really great and they look amazing and they're not even a whole team yet. So,
0: um, um yeah, I, I
2: think they're going to be good. I know.
0: Imagine when they get everybody going. Now, Holly, something else we like to talk about on this show um is, is marketing of the league. You know, the league is growing. The numbers are showing that whether it's participation via social media or merchandise sales or even view, viewership on ESPN um with the great job that you and, and Rebecca and Ryan and, and everyone does covering the league it, it seems to be growing Um but a lot to do it, but I wanted to share before I get your thoughts because I know y- you have some ideas on how we can grow the league and get better but before we do I have to share this one story so before the draft we all meet with Lisa Borders right so it's myself and, and Holly and Rebecca and Ryan and um you know just to talk about what's happening and catch up and get ready for the broadcast and and holly gets a very serious face and we're all sitting there holly said lisa there's just one really important thing we need to talk about and and lisa said of course and holly said we need Drake's Nice For What to be our anthem for the summer for the WNBA. (laughs) And it was a great moment because we all love that song. And then we had been talking about it, Holly. Remember, pre leading up to the draft, how great the song was and how empowering it was. And Holly looks at Lisa and says we need to have Drake nice for what? And I love it because culturally you are always up to speed on what's happening. And Lisa said, God and Holly going to work on it. So I know the rights probably cost a lot of money, but I, I thought it was a great probably idea. So
2: expensive, but I think Drake right. could just Be like, Hey ladies, I love you guys. I love basketball. Here's my song. We got to get Drake. I don't, I don't know him personally. I think maybe Doris Bert can help us out there, but we got to get Drake yeah. on board with us. Yeah. Yeah. So we need Doris. You know, It's really cool because for, for many, many years, as long as I can remember, women are always fighting for the same space in sports and like, hey, we want attention. We deserve attention. And I guess the older I get, the more annoyed I'm getting that it's not apples and apples. You know, like men's sports leagues and sports teams have been subsidized by towns, governments, local communities. Why, why aren't we investing in the women in the same way? And I just feel like my eyes have really been opened up as to, um, hey, let's help people out. Let's grow this game. Because what I'm learning is that if you build it, they will come. And what what I mean by that is the Minnesota game to open a season was sold out. They built a perennial contender and an incredible team that's become a dynasty in our league. And the fans come and support them and show up. It's sold out Target Center. It's like if you put a good product on the floor, people are going to come regardless of if it's male, female, whatever. And so I just am like, let's, let's keep building this product. People will come to it. People want to watch. People will get passionate about it. And, um, and then we showcase it. So I, I guess I'm getting cranky in my old age of just like being tired of constantly fighting for that space when these women deserve it. They've proven that they deserve it. Um, they're incredible athletes. The game has never been better. I saw something on Twitter the other day that made me smile. A a guy that I don't know said my girlfriend's um, grandfather went to his first WNBA game, and he was like, what have I been missing all these years? I'll be back. So it's like the first time you can get people to go to the game, they're going to come back. It's a great product. It's a fun situation. It's a great um, basketball game. So, yeah, so, Drake, if you're out there, you can help us out. You know, (laughs) we've been nice all these years trying to get exactly. people to come for games and now i'm saying what are we nice for what people <laughs> need to be at these games because they're good basketball
0: i love it tarika we are definitely posting this um as a separate note to drake like listen get on board right oh absolutely um, i've already no, taken
1: notes that drake is gone to reach out <laughs> to holly like it, it is what it is
0: we're going to make it yeah. happen, Holly. Well, we know that you have a long day ahead, but we just want to thank you so much um, for coming on the show, for making time and for always making time to grow the game, to sharing your knowledge. And we hope to have you back on. We want to make you a regular sideline snippets yeah, with please. Holly Rowe. Um, sit on that. Basketball, you know I'm in. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, we want to thank Holly Rowe once again for stopping by to chat with us on Around the Rim. She's so knowledgeable and so into the game of women's basketball. And Around the Rim fans, you can be into the game as well with DraftKings One Day Fantasy Women's Basketball. Put your basketball knowledge to the test as DraftKings One Day Fantasy Women's Basketball brings you closer to the action than ever before every single night. Now, there are so many ways to play. You can choose a public contest for big cash prizes or invite friends and play in private contests with each other. And it's also cool if it's your first time because DraftKings offers beginner and casual contests so you can play against people who are just as new to this as you are. Now, there are rules, but they're simple. Select six of the best players your money can buy as long as you stay within the $50,000 salary cap. The best part is if you mess up, no worries. You can draft an entirely new team every day. So head to DraftKings.com or download the app and use the code RIM to play for thousands of dollars in total prizes on any given night. That's code RIM to play Tonight, we expect to see you on there tonight. Now, there's one disclaimer. There's a minimum of a $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Now, stay tuned. Around the Rim is returning in a moment.
2: Third quarter, scouting report.
0: Fans, welcome back. It's the third quarter. Lachana Robinson, your host, Tarika Foster Brasby, our producer. Um, you are listening to the Around the Rim Podcast, or ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. And before we get into a little bit of a conversation, we wanted to remind you that you can follow us now on Twitter. We have a podcast handle at Around the Rim Pod. We also have an email address, and that is around the rim podcast at gmail.com because um we like to hear from you and speaking of hearing from you Tarika and I um uh, posed a question last week because Tarika took her daughter Jada to her first WNBA game it was Connecticut against LA Tarika um lives in Connecticut and uh we we posed a question to parents um about why you do or don't bring your daughter to WNBA games because um Tarika and I have been having the discussion of how on around the rim, we can bring all levels of the game together and grow the game. So we're going to be talking about what's happening in recruiting um, and trying to pull in a younger audience—the uh, age group of 14 to 18, middle school through high school. Um, I don't know if that's really middle school, so probably a little younger I than like high that. School. But and yeah. Then, yeah, 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 um, and then also young women, so 18 to I would say 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Tarika, you brought. Jada to the Connecticut Sun game Um, tell us about your experience and then we'll listen to some thoughts from some fans that emailed us
1: yeah, well, it was a, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I obviously enjoy it every time I get a chance to go to a WNBA game, but Jada's just not into sports really. And so, um, when I had an opportunity to go, I was like, I have to make sure that Jada comes because I feel like if she gets an opportunity to see these women up close and personal and then, you know, having a friend in Chanae helps as well because not only did she get to truly experience as a fan from that perspective, but she got an opportunity to come on the floor and, you know, know she got a chance to meet Kara Lawson who was one of my favorites growing up watching basketball so she smiled her face off um, after meeting Kara and then um, got her face on the Titan Tron and she took to Courtney Williams so that's her girl that's her player um, I was just like, I don't really care who you choose as a favorite. Just make sure you choose one. <laughs> so, um, okay. but she was into it. Like, she was really into it. Literally, again, she's not a person that has been really into sports and which is interesting considering that her stepmom and her dad are huge sports fans. But to see her, you know, asking me questions about, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? It's hard to put into words how much excitement you see in a kid's face from something that they've never done before. And what made it really special was because this was her first time ever at a professional sports game. So it's not like she's seen any other sport live and in person before. This was her first all the way around all the way across the board. And um so it was it was so much fun. She loved it. She's already asking me when can we go back? When can we go to another game? Um so I got to take her back. I got to take her back. I told I showed her that uh Courtney Williams uh shared and liked her picture on Instagram. She went ridiculous, okay? That's her girl now. So um, but it was just all, it was just, it was just awesome to really see her enjoy the experience and really want to get more into basketball after that. Um, it was a great experience and I, I'm, I'm really excited I got to give that to her.
0: First of all, it's awesome that you did that. And thank you to everyone who made that day special from Courtney to Kara to Cheney, just everyone who helped to make that experience special for Jada. But a couple things. That's why you love the WNBA. Like if you're a parent and you're listening to this, you have access to to some of the best athletes in the world. Like, I've, I've never seen, I've never covered any sport where these women literally will come out of the locker room after a game with their jerseys still on to address the crowd, to sign autographs. Like, the level of interaction you get is amazing. Um, they sacrifice a ton of their time. You'll be hard-pressed to find a group of women that are in the community more. But one of the reasons why we're, we're talking about this is we don't understand why there aren't more young girls that play basketball coming to games. Like why aren't there parents who, um, if your child is playing middle school or, or AAU or even high school basketball, why aren't you bringing them to WNBA games? And this also stems from a conversation we're having about a league initiative called uh Take a Seat Take a Stand um where the WNBA is taking a pro, uh, part of the proceeds from ticket sales and and donating those monies to girl and women serving organizations. So we're all trying to get on the same page about what this league is and it it is a it first and foremost, the best players in the world, but also a place where women can be empowered and inspired and young girls can come and have role models. So we posed this question on our last podcast to our fans.
1: Not only did someone respond, but somebody brought tears to my eyes. And you know I'm sensitive. So you can't fans you can't send me emotional, sentimental stuff because I will cry. Okay. So uh, one of the fans um, by the name of Christopher Persley, he wrote... Um hey there I just wanted to share a few things I'm a big fan of the podcast I even share episodes with my seven-year-old daughter. You might remember her as she asked the question to Katie Smith during one of the live episodes in Columbus. Taking my daughter to WNBA games has become a huge part of our summers. Before we had her, I dreamed of taking my child to Liberty Games and supporting the WNBA. Little did I know that my daughter would not only fall in love with the game of basketball, but also develop an appreciation of the league. She idolizes and respects WNBA players and even created a book in honor of the league last year. I thought I would also share um, some of the pieces that I've written about the WNBA and the Women's Final Four and in addition I've attached a copy of my daughter's WNBA book and let me tell you the book is the cutest thing I've ever seen she's got all types of stats in the book about each player a picture of each pair that she's personally drawn and I have printed this book out and I am going to keep it at my desk and I'm going to well I'm going to show my daughter and then I'm going to bring it back to work and keep it at my desk because I was thoroughly moved I remember her little cute self asking Katie Smith a question at at the live taping and I'm just I literally shed a tear Uh,
0: well, we will post that or at least some portions of that book. But um, thank you so much. And who was that to share this?
1: This was Christopher Persley and his daughter's name is Camilla.
0: Well, thank you so much, Christopher. And we were just in awe of Camilla and her energy and her knowledge um, of the game. And that is just proof. I mean, this young lady was so encouraged that she wrote a book about the league. You know, and you just never know what the impact can be. And parents, you know, you're always telling your kids things and. They're not really that interested in listening into the, to the message from you. But when they can see it in, in a Maya Moore or when they see it in a Shanae Ogumike or, um, you know, some of the stories of perseverance in this league, whether it's Brittany Sykes or Maggie Lucas, just so many great messages. So um, thank you for sharing that. And you can continue to send if you have any Feedback, why you do or don't take your daughters to WNBA games, we'll continue to share that and have discussion as we have. Um, because Tariq and I have just decided to talk a little bit more about marketing and growing of the league. And to that point, I said on Twitter that I would get back to a discussion about AAU in high school on this episode. But we're actually going to table this, qu- this discussion for our next episode because we want to give you a chance to respond. So I tweeted on May 25th. So you mean to tell me AAU coaches are telling high school girls basketball players where to go to school and their parents are moving to that school district. We will be discussing this on the next Around the Rim pod. I am hot. So, yes, I, I knew that this happened. I did not know it was happening at this rate. My question is, what does that message from parents, if they are uprooting their children, send to their kids about the importance of sport? right, like is does it just trump everything? Are we gonna get up and move to give you a better opportunity? Why are we um uh, not I just don't get it, so I need more information on why parents are doing this, why it's acceptable. I also posted another question. Parents, how much money are you spending on your daughter's au activities, basketball trainers, etc., compared to how much you are investing in ways to build their character, communication skills, self esteem, career aspirations, all of that? Just curious, and I got great response from both of these. Um So I will we will dig more into this conversation on on our next podcast. But I was posing that question because. Parents, your daughters are showing up to college and they may be great players, but we're finding that they maybe don't know what they want to do after basketball or maybe they are struggling to even have a face to face conversation um, with with people once they get to college. Now, these are things we all need to develop. My my stance is. Yes, you learn a lot of things from basketball, but there are some things that you have to be intentionally about teaching your daughters. And what happens when your daughter is is stronger and a better communicator and more confident and knows what she's going to do after basketball? All women grow from that, right? Because we end up with more women in the C-suite. We end up having more Michelle Obamas or uh, more uh, Serena Williams or, you know, whoever your hero is, Julie Foudy's. Um, so we need to have more of a conversation about how we can continue to use sport to, to grow our kids, but also what are our options for making sure that they are ready for the opportunities that are presented to them. So if you do have any comments on either one of those topics, as I take a strong stance against, but, um, to express some of the issues we're having in the summer, because uh, I'm going to tell you, be honest, these young girls are going to the gym. They're playing all these basketball games. They're getting plenty of basketball in. Mm-hmm. They're not really getting taught fundamentals from what I'm understanding. And from what I've seen, um, there's coaches are rolling the ball out, not teaching them the proper way to play, not preparing them to play man-to-man defense in college. And they're also not helping to grow them all court. So what is AAU really doing? We're well, spending all this money on it. And, um, other than those that get a college scholarship, how can we grow these young women in other areas so anyway we're gonna have an ongoing discussion email us at around the rim podcast at gmail.com and with that we're heading into the fourth quarter fourth quarter
1: out of bounds
0: All right, basketball fans. It's our fourth quarter, and Tariqa, you know what that means. It's your favorite segment. It is. It is our
1: Growing the Game Spotlight segment, and I just get so excited when I think about this part of the show because this is where we are highlighting um, the many people who continue to grow the game of women's basketball. And this week, we are sharing the spotlight with Who Feeds Cheryl Coward. Um, She has followed the game of basketball for over 30 years. Okay, I'm 34.
0: So you've been doing this a long time, Cheryl. Cheryl, we're not going to tell your age, but that is a long time.
3: It is a long time. Well, those 30 years include my childhood, so there. Damn. Bam, see?
0: <laughs> okay, so that's where we want to start. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Um, I mean, Hoop Feed has become synonymous with every level of our game. And one thing I tell people all the time is that you know, if there's one place you know you can get consistent women's basketball news, information, all of that, it's social media and in particular Hoop Feed where you cover every level. Um, take us back. Where did your love affair with basketball start and uh, give us down how you got from there to all the work that you're doing now with, with Hoop Feed?
3: Well, my love started when I was a kid when I used to uh watch women's basketball on TV, actually back in the 70s, specifically during the 1976 Olympics when the U.S. Uh, was playing and Nancy Lieberman was the point guard for the U.S. Uh, team. And that time, that game just stuck into my head, and she was a dynamic point guard and had a lot of respect of the men in the game at the time. So that's where the seed was planted. And I also grew up in an area where basketball was a big deal um, in Gainesville Florida um, we had a lot of athletes coming up in the neighborhood that I grew up in like Vernon Maxwell who used to play with the Florida Gators used to play against my brothers who used to get beat by my brothers um, so <laughs> wow <laughs> those were the seeds uh, that planted my love for the game um, and I played um, growing up I didn't play as much in high school I was more of a an academic and a nerd. And back then, unfortunately, um, there wasn't as much support for young athletes who wanted to have strong academics but be an athlete as well. So I had to kind of decide where I wanted to go. And for me, the long term and, uh, you know, goal or the long term path to success was on the academic side, not the basketball side. But I ended up going to Smith College, which is the home of women's basketball where it was founded. So my love of the game continued. I still played. I just wasn't in a uh, organized environment um, at the time. And I actually was going to play for that, the Smith team, but once again, academics took over, and I decided to focus more on being a campus leader than being uh, a basketball player and athlete. So that's where it all, all started. I was my class president.
0: Oh, so wait, take us back. So Smith College, you said that's where women's college basketball started?
3: Yeah, the first women's basketball game was played at Smith College back in the late 1800s. The game was actually founded by Senda Berenson uh, after she met James Naismith because he was down the road in Springfield, so she actually developed the first rule book for women's basketball. And I used to have an on-campus job in the Old Smith Gymnasium, which is where the now the, which is now the college archives, which is where that first game was actually played.
0: Wow. Wow. So the Look game goes back time. history lessons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a very long time. Wow. Okay. So didn't mean to cut you off, but okay. You Smith College class president. Um, how in the world did you get to Hoop Feed?
3: Um, well. I started off after I graduated from college as a news reporter in Washington, D.C. I actually was one of the youngest reporters to cover the Clarence Thomas Supreme Court confirmation hearings uh, and also the subsequent Anita Hill hearings that came afterwards uh, when a lot of information came out. So I started off in, in, during that, in that field, um, and over the years I continued doing that. Um, I worked for magazines. I did a lot of freelance writing. Um, And I also uh, moved out to San Francisco, and I picked up some tech skills. So I became uh, more of a uh, content creator for corporate entities um, coupled with web development. So my skill set was web content development and um, web development as well. So I had a combination of these skills. So over the years, um, I still kept up with women's basketball, and I wrote about it a couple of times for different publications, Um, And then, let's see, in 2007, I actually covered the SEC Championships. They were in Gwinnett, Georgia at the time, the Women's Basketball SEC Championships. And that's when I first got the idea to start HoopFeed. So I registered the domain, and I did run it for a couple of months, but it was too much given I had a full-time job at the time. I was living in Atlanta, working at AT AT&T corporate headquarters. Um, I just couldn't keep up. But then two years later, when social media uh, came uh, about, you know, I was an early adopter of Twitter. I had a Twitter account, like, the first year it was uh, founded. Not a, it wasn't Hoop feed my own personal one. Um, that's not my name. And then I decided, you know, you could use this platform to put out news about women's basketball because it was hard to find information because the mainstream papers did not have women's basketball on the front page until it was, like, you know, the Final Four or the W E B Finals. And that's how... Uh, I started with the social media aspect of it. So I put the website back up, put the feed up, and it just took off from there. And I'm still catching up.
0: (laughs) It is like incredible because I mean, I'm looking right now actually at your Twitter feed. You're following, you have 28,000 followers. Um, which I know are all people who coach the game, who recruit, who GMs. I mean, everyone, anyone who cares about women's basketball follows your feed. What... What was kind of the branding behind the, uh, behind Hoop Feed? How did you decide what you were going to cover? I mean, I see you at different events. I mean, I know that you've sacrificed a ton. You've done your own editing. You've done your own picture taking. You've done your, I mean, you've been a one woman machine and I know, you know, it has grown over the last few years, but uh, talk about just the brand building and operation building of what you've done uh, with Hoop Feed.
3: Well, I want the, feed and the website to be a hub first and foremost for fans. My audience, my primary audience is fans. I want to be able to give them up-to-date, accurate information about the game, mostly on the college and WNBA level. um, And with some information, you know, from the prep side, I can't, that's a whole nother ball game right there. So we can't really focus too much on that. Um, (laughs) And you know, with the Olympics and some some of the international play as well, you know it's hard to focus on those because we're not there. And then, you know, I although I speak two other languages, there's still a language barrier. <laughs> so right. um, I want the fans to be the first first and foremost the focus of hoop feed, with coaches and players not really far behind, because um, players and coaches are also fans. Um, so my focus is to present accurate, up-to-date information about women's basketball on those two levels. And my focus um, comes from uh, one of the previous jobs I had was the chief of research at the Village Voice several years ago. And that gave me the skills to know how to research and find information and to also analyze and synthesize information very fast um, and put it in a form where people can understand in a simple manner. And that's why uh, I... I think the feed took off so fast because I have a very um, set idea of what I want the feed to look like. You know, I want to present information, let people know where it's from, and make sure that it's accurate. Um, so if you if you notice, if you look at the feed, you'll see that every, every tweet about um, a game or a feature or something has a specific format. And that format, to me, has to say the same so people can be used to seeing information presented in a certain way in a very simple manner so they can, you know, take that information in very quickly because people don't have time today to read, unfortunately, long features all the time, you know, unless they bookmark them and go back later. They want information, they want it fast, and they want it to be accurate.
0: Two things about what you just said I just wanted to hit on real quick. Um, number one is I need this training that you had <laughs> Two <laughs> That helps, uh, to, to, for us to present information in a, in a concise and digestible way because I use way too many characters. But, you know, one, one thing that you mentioned is consistency. You know, the way that your feed is presented, the consistency of the information, the reliability of the information builds trust. And we right. know that trust is major. And when you're building any brand that people know, they can wake up, they can come to your feed, and they're going to learn about what's happening in women's basketball, what is going on, different perspectives and opinions on various things. Cheryl, I want to ask you this, uh, and for fans that are listening, if you want to follow uh, Hoop Feed on Twitter, um, at Hoop feed. And that's just at HoopFeed, H-O-O-P-F-E-E-D. And then there's a site that goes along with that, HoopFeed.com. So two places. Am I missing anything, Cheryl, Or you got information? Because if you got something, we're going to put it out there. We want to we follow. <laughs> Is that the two primary uh, ways to, to follow HoopFeed?
3: There's also a uh, HoopFeed Facebook page. It's just Facebook.com slash HoopFeed. The same with Instagram. It's just HoopFeed. So
0: branding is the same across nice. all platforms. That's right. I forgot yeah. you got an IG page now. You better go, Cheryl. <laughs> um, so, but before I let you go, I have one thing. I, I just want your thoughts. You know, we, we both have the same goals in mind, right? We want to bring all levels of the game together. We want to grow the game. Um, you know, we want to provide reliable information, as you mentioned. How can, how would you suggest to WNBA fans that they can best support not only the game or, or college or basketball or WNBA fans, any fans of, of women's basketball? How can they both
3: grow the game,
0: but then also support people like Hoopfeed, like Shell Coward, like everything that you're doing?
3: Um, well, first, pay attention, um, you know, take some time out and, you know, People have a lot of things going on in their lives these days. But maybe make a small investment and lead past. I mean, compared to other leagues like the NHL and Major League Baseball, it's actually very cheap. Um, make sure that whatever team you're following knows that you're a fan, tweet at them with your uh, accolades as well as your constructive criticism. If there's something that you don't like, take time out to write an email to the team front office. All their information is usually posted on their website or tweet at them. Just make sure that you are an active vocal fan and tell your friends who are fans as well to do the same thing. So uh, the teams know that not only are you supporting them, but that you want them to be better in these certain ways, if that makes sense.
0: I like that. The feedback aspect is critical. Engage, be a part of it. I really, really like that. And, Follow Hoop Feed. Um, follow Cheryl yeah. Coward. We <laughs> mentioned all of uh, the platforms in which you can do that. What else, Sarika? What else you want to know about Cheryl? I feel like she has
1: given me so much, and to be honest, I really got to have a conversation with her offline because I'm a history buff. And the way that she just dropped that on me real quick, I, my mouth is still open. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was pretty. That that Smith College just just threw me for a loop. Threw too. Me we for definitely a loop. are going to highlight that. Uh, Cheryl, anything else you want to f- share with our fans about hoop feet or about the game or anything else?
3: Well, I mean, in addition to the feed, there's features all the time on the website. Um, we have a reporter right now, a young reporter who um, attends Mississippi State, who covers Mississippi State and the SEC for us during the school year, but also covers the Washington Mystics and has done some great work and um, some one on one interviews with Mystics players who are hot right now, um, especially their rookies. Yes. Um, So uh, that's one way to continue to sports. Check out the website. Check out the links uh, for Hoop Feed as well. And uh, we'll have West Coast coverage as well. And then in the college season, um, do the same thing. We always have people at some of the media days. Um, So, yeah, just keep up with us on Twitter as well as on the website itself to get more in-depth reporting besides the digestible nuggets you find on uh, Twitter.
0: I love it. And we love you, Cheryl. You have been so supportive. I know of me in my career. When I run into you, I'm always happy to see you at events because, um, you know, what you're doing is, is much needed. Especially you're a woman of color with the type of skill and, and the voice that you have in this space, which makes you even more unique. Um, and it's helped me as a woman of color. Sometimes we're the only two in the room. Um, but right. you've been a shining light for me. So we want to thank you for everything you're doing for the game and um, keep being fabulous. Yes.
2: <laughs> you're so welcome.
0: <laughs> all right, Cheryl, we hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for your time and all your coverage.
1: No problem. Thank you, Achina. Well, we just want to thank Cheryl once again for joining us and uh, also Holly Rowe for coming by. We appreciate everyone who takes the time to show some support to around the rim. And remember fans, please follow us on Twitter at around the rim pod. You can follow LeChina personally at la Robinson. You can follow me on Twitter as well at she sports underscore. And if you are talking about around the rim, make sure you use the hashtag around the rim. We appreciate it. Um, hit us up. We enjoy it. This was a great show. Uh, love to hear your feedback on how you thought the show was and looking forward to a great weekend and women's basketball we are out of here but from the china and myself peace out fam
3: thank you for listening to around the rim check out more podcasts from espn
0: on the espn app